0: Bridge Toll, California, customer service number. Highway miles to the gallon, Ford Focus. Thailand cave rescue operation. What is Schema F? Best wine bars in San Carlos, California. Best Western hotels. How old is Ronaldo? What happened with Big Brother? Engage. engagement? How long give. before a wedding should I send out save the dates? How many in the first series Use of Use To check mail on best other email clients. Identify fonts from... Where to find the four years stuff. Habit nice. Welcome to the Voice of Search podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Shapiro, and today we're talking about outsourcing content creation. Joining us is Philip Thune, who is the CEO of Textbroker, which is the leading online platform in the United States for custom-made, uniquely written content. Textbroker's online marketplace brings together customers looking for unique and exclusive text content with more than 100,000 US-based freelancers who can write about virtually any topic. So far this week, Philip and I have talked about how you can decide what part of your content production you should be outsourcing. And yesterday, we talked about the ways to find the right writers for your team. Today, we're going to land the plan on this conversation by talking about managing and scaling your outsourced content production. And this podcast is also sponsored by Ahrefs. What if I told you that you could monitor your website's SEO health backlinks and organic rankings at no costs? Sounds too good to be true? Well, it's not. All right, on with the show. Here's my conversation with Philip Thune, CEO of Textbroker. Philip, welcome back to the Voices of Search podcast. Thank you. Excited to have you returning on the show. We kind of talked about everything but the content management so far. We talked a little bit about putting together a content strategy where freelancers should fit into that. And yesterday, we talked about the dynamics of finding the right staff, building the right team to help you keep your content production consistent. I want to talk a little bit about what you do when things are going well. How do you think about managing a freelance team? And how do you think about scaling? Let's start with managing the team. When you think about working with your freelance team, finding them is only half the battle. You actually have to get them to produce and then publish the content. Walk me through your process and your tips for making sure that the writers that you hire are producing great work.
1: Right. As we talked about yesterday, it all starts with having the right set of instructions for them. But let's say you've got that team of five or 10 or 50, whatever the number is, you've got that team of writers. They're familiar with you. They're familiar with the kind of content you need. I think one thing that's really critical is not thinking you're done. Right. And I would say that's true whether you have an in house team of 50 writers or you've got an outsourced team of 50 writers. Right. People are people and writing is not. It's not like stamping out doors on a car. And so I think you really do need to pay attention to what the output is on a kind of author-by-author basis. It's very possible. And again, this is true whether somebody's internal or outsourced. It's very possible that they kind of slip a bit or that they kind of lose, let's say, lose some creativity just because you know how many times can they write about essentially the same topic day after day after day? So yeah, I, I'd say the most important, most critical piece of advice is don't assume you're done. You still need to kind of watch what's going on, keep people encouraged, and maybe give some people some breaks if you think that that might make sense because creativity is not infinite.
0: You bring up a good point that you know your writers, contractors, and freelancers are still human and they do get burned out. When you think about not only getting somebody onboarded, but managing them over time... What are the signs that someone is going to get burned out?
1: That's a great question. And I think it can be sort of different for different people. But the things that we tend to see... Yeah, and I know this is going to be a tricky one to recommend, but we do a bunch of different plagiarism checks, right? Because no matter what you're doing, whether it's internal writer, or outsourced, no matter what the use of the content is, right, it cannot be plagiarized both from a legal perspective, from a Google perspective. And so we've got some automated ways built in where we can kind of watch and make sure that what our authors are doing is not plagiarizing any kind of content out on the web, but also that they're not plagiarizing themselves or sort of spinning or coming back to the same topic and basically talking about it you know, in slightly different words, but essentially the same way. So again, I I think some of that is tied to scale, right? That should only happen if you're sort of producing content on a really large scale. But yeah, that would be one. And like I said, that's so critical to our business model that we're so focused on it that we've developed, I think, some pretty cool tools to watch for that. I think if you're just sort of managing your own internal team of writers and it's not that big, right? I think it goes back again to when you read what they've produced, does it feel like you've read that before? And when it starts to be like that, then that's what I was saying before. You know, Maybe that's when you give them a break or you put them on a completely different topic or area to focus on. Because like I said, creativity is not infinite. So that's probably the number one warning sign.
0: Time for a one-minute break to hear from our sponsor, Previsible. So you're looking for SEO help, and you got a couple of options. You could start replying to spam from agencies that claim they can get you to rank number one on Google. That's previsible, P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. I think that's a good point. You know, there's the table stakes of, well, are they writing unique content? I think that there's also other metrics that you can look at other than somebody cheating. There's also somebody getting burnt out, somebody maybe missing delivery milestones. There's also the quality of the content. How do you recommend people doing their outsourced content production, think about evaluating the content, the quality of the content of their writers. Well,
1: you know, one thing we haven't talked about you know, at all this week is kind of the editorial process, right? And so one thing I want to make really clear is that if you're going after quality content, you should never assume that you can assign something to a writer and then you're done. Michael Lewis and Stephen King, right? Right, the... I would argue that the better the writer, the better the editor. They don't just write something and have it published, right? No newspaper magazine does it that way. So, you know, if quality is important and hopefully it is, then you need to have an editorial review built into your content creation process. And that's where I think you should be able to rely on those editors. Again, whether those editors are outsourced or whether, you know, we also didn't talk about Textbroker has something we call managed service, where if you don't want to deal with all this, you just give us the whole project. And we not only find the writers, we have editors, we have account managers, we kind of take it start to finish. So yeah, so we're really good at that. But it's not something that you should be doing unless you happen to be the editor for everything that's being produced. But yeah, it should be something that the editors see. The editors should have checklists, they should have that same innate knowledge of your style and your tone and and words that you don't like to use and and all those kind of things. And so they're going to be able to there you'd be able to just know from a quality perspective, oh yeah, these authors are still hitting the mark. Or wow, you know, Charlie's struggling a little bit here. Might be time to give him a break or put him on some other topics.
0: Yeah, I think that that's one of the things that I was surprised to learn when I was trying to do content production at scale. You mentioned you know working at eBay. I was part of the team that managed the relationship with Textbroker at eBay. And the idea that when you're producing thousands and thousands and thousands of pieces of content, you can't have in-house editors to do that as well. And so one of the secrets to scaling is not only doing your content production with outsourcing, it's doing your editing as well. When you get to the point of scale, and you've outsourced your content production, you're outsourcing some of the editing, what are the ways that you as an in-house employee can still sanity check that the work is being done successfully and correctly?
1: I think the only way to do it and what we see certain clients doing is they do a sampling. So we've got one client, for example, where we're producing hundreds, literally hundreds of blog posts every week for... It's an agency, right? So they have, in turn, they have hundreds of clients. So we're creating blog posts for each of their hundreds of clients every single week. Actually, I think in some cases, twice a week. So there's just no way, right? There's no way that they can kind of be reading everything. We're also doing the publishing, right? So it's not even like you could kind of glance at it as you're publishing it. So I think there they just take a sampling approach. They really dig into, I think it's like, I want to say 5%. I think they dig into a random 5% of what we produce each week. And they've got people internally on their staff who they've trained, who they trust, who can spot something that's gone wrong, or this isn't up to the level that we need. You know, And they'll come back and give us a score. And literally like one mistake equals one point or something like that, or a typo, or if they didn't quite get a fact right or something. And that's when I, not to toot our own horn, but I think there is a process of creating content at scale and maintaining quality, and that's really hard to do. And I don't want to say we're perfect, but I think there's a lot of steps. We need a whole other podcast to go through it, but there's a lot of steps to making sure that that happens. And I think we do that pretty well.
0: Yeah, I think that the idea of sampling and if you can't read all of the content, it doesn't mean that you outright trust all of the editors to get everything. You're always going to be have to advising whether you're outsourcing one article and you're giving them feedback on that individual post, you're really getting the details. If you're to the point where you're writing thousands and thousands of posts, you still have to take a sampling and try to give direction. Working with an outsourced team doesn't mean that they don't require management. And that is... One of the key points to consider when you're thinking about outsourcing your content, bringing somebody in-house, there's no getting around having to manage the team and giving your input. Philip, any last words on how to successfully create an outsourced content production team?
1: Yeah, I think you kind of just nailed it, which is making sure at every step that you're giving it a lot of thought. I know, right, the dream is... Oh, I can just send a one paragraph email and this will be done for me. And there's, you know, there's certainly services out there where that actually could work. But with content writing, it's really interesting. We'll have two clients, exactly the same business. Let's say they make furniture. They both have furniture e-commerce sites. Either they sell literally the same furniture, right? They're just have the same manufacturers producing the furniture. And we can produce content for one of them. And if we showed it to the other one, they'd be like, This is terrible. This just I I could never put this on my website. (laughs) And so it really is such a particular thing. And it's part of, you know, content is part of who and what your company is. So making sure the tone is right and the style is right and the approach is always consistent and your audience and your customers kind of know what to expect from you, you know, not disappointing them. Those are all critical things. And the only way to make sure it works is to. Put thought into every single step from preparing the brief of what you want, as we said, to picking the right writers and then to making sure they keep doing what you want them to do.
0: Philip, I appreciate you coming on the show and telling us a little bit about the content production process. Like I mentioned, I'm a big fan of Textbroker used your service multiple times. Keep up the good work and thanks for being a guest on the Voices of Search podcast. Thank you so much. All right. That wraps up this episode of the Voices of Search podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Philip Thune, CEO of TextBroker. We'd love to continue the conversation with you. So if you're interested in contacting Philip, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is TextBrokerUS, T-E-X-T-B-R-O-K-E-R-U-S. Or you could visit his company's website, which is TextBroker.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to VoicesOfSearch.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also send us your topic suggestions or your SEO questions. You can even apply to be a guest speaker on the Voices of Search podcast. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is Voices of Search on Twitter, and my personal handle is Ben J. Shap B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P.